I'm Amber Tresca, and this is About IBD. It's my mission to educate people living with Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis about their disease and to bring awareness to the patient journey. Welcome to episode 98. This is the second part of my conversation with Kathleen Nichols, author of Go Your Crone Way, A Gutsy Guide to Living with Crohn's Disease, and My Flare Lady, a handbook for today's diseased dame. You can hear the first part in episode 97, where Kathleen tells us about her Crohn's disease diagnosis and how blogging became the way she processes her disease journey. We tackle a topic that many people with IBD struggle with, and that's how to answer when people ask us how we're doing. For friends and family, the answer is usually, I'm fine, but that probably shouldn't be what we tell our doctors, which leads to another topic, and that's when and how providers should talk to patients about whether or not they want to pursue parenthood and what that might mean for IBD management. Kathleen also gives tips for bloggers, including a hard truth, and offers advice to anyone who is newly diagnosed. However, I think her wisdom is important for long-term patients as well. Once again, from Scotland, let's hear from author Kathleen Nichols. Kathleen, thank you so much for coming on about IBD. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to to speak to you. I have a passage from Go Your Crone Way. Like, I didn't tell you I was going to do this. So you're like, oh, no. Um, But the amount of crone puns that you come up with, like, I'm just like... I really applaud the market. <laughs> I'm never going to come up with any new ones. It's just, yeah. But I like this part, so I highlighted it. So I'm going to okay. read it to you. Okay. I'll cover my face. <laughs> I, won't, I won't look at you. <laughs> but to make another human feel that they are unworthy of a few moments of your time when they are laying out their worst fears and feelings of utter hopelessness right before your eyes, to me, just beggars belief. Here's something that I often think about, and I think about in terms of the patient experience Mm -hmm. and then having our healthcare providers understand more deeply about the patient experience. They may not get the deep and difficult things about our lives just from the few minutes that they have with Mm -hmm. with their patients. So I often think about how the content that we create mm-hmm. could be part of a curriculum, could yeah. be part yeah. of how you can better understand what your patients are going through. Mm-hmm. I definitely think that your your books could be part of that. And I was thinking about that and how the question that we get asked sometimes, mm-hmm. like, how are you or how are you doing? Mm-hmm. For instance, what is your response when somebody says, Kathleen, how are you doing? Well, that's it been a consistently difficult thing for me to navigate because my response is always, I'm fine. Exactly. And I'm generally never fine. <laughs> no, I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so it's, it's so backwards because it, it, it's, and it's also frustrating for people who do know you because they know you're not fine. And all my friends will say, what's the real answer? <laughs> because I can even sometimes by looking at me, they know I'm not fine, but so now I think I've, I still am guilty of saying that occasionally. I think I think I, I pick and choose who I'm, who I'm sharing information with. So, and sometimes you just don't want to talk about it as well. So it's easier just to say I'm fine, or, or maybe I'll give an abridged version of I'm just having a bad day, or I'll sometimes say I'm just having a bad Crohn's day, or, um. But yeah, I think there's levels of it that as patients we know, it's it's like a traffic light system. I don't know how what you could call it in America. 
So if it's if it's red, then I'll t- I'll tell people that yeah I'm really not fine. I need to go to the doctor. I need to do something. I need to take the day off. But generally, when it's green or amber, I'll I'll just either say I'm fine or I'll say yeah I'm just having a bad day or a couple of days I'll be feeling a bit better or I'm just struggling today. But yeah, I, th- I think I'm still quite bad at not sharing as much as I really should. But sometimes it's just exhausting even talking about it. So I think it's more preserve my own um, exhaustion because sometimes the full amount of energy is spent on just making it through the day because I, for me the, the fatigue thing is the worst at the moment for symptom wise so sometimes yeah I just don't even have the energy to express it I've given you a really really long answer to a really short question <laughs> <laughs> so yeah you can see where I usually go wrong but yeah usually I say I'm fine <laughs> even when I'm not yeah. And that's what most of us do. Mm-hmm. Right. We just yeah. say, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. And the passage that I read you was from a section you were talking about dealing with healthcare providers mm-hmm. and how this is a person that's asking you how you are and asking you about your symptoms. And you are expecting them to listen to you in mm-hmm. a way that maybe you're not expecting from other people mm-hmm. in your life. But you don't always get that yeah. listening from them. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I was, I've been really lucky in the past few years because I, I've had various consultants, but the one that I had up, up until a few years ago was such a gentle, kind man who really took the time to get to know me. And I know that obviously every sort of medical professional has a, a schedule and they don't have all day to listen to me rambling on about whatever's on my mind that day. But um, he could see through that I'm fine and they would always say now I know you don't tell me the full truth so can you tell me how you are feeling then it's just it's like a tap being switched on where you can go oh right okay I can actually tell you because I don't have to and it is really bonkers to even want to conceal how you feel to the person meant to help you feel better (laughs) so I've never quite understood why I do that or anyone does that but yeah it's it's almost like I don't want to be a burden on anybody at all even if it is the person's meant to help me in the first place but recently I've, I've had difficulty in in terms of I think it's my age because everybody now assumes that I should be a baby making machine and if I don't I'm running out of time so so and obviously that's out the window at the minute because I'm again heartbroken but um so the last consultant I had seemed obsessed with me having a baby and now's the best time of a baby and, and was constantly telling me about how it would affect my treatment and so on and and it's never something I've even raised with her so it was another kind of hurdle of why is this now a conversation why why should it even be a conversation until I bring it up so I think it's but again I think maybe the issue lies with me not putting my foot down and and understanding that it's okay that it's a two-way street and I don't have to go along with whatever this professional tells me to do or um or how the conversation should go so I've, I've tried to politely swerve to the bowels and whatever else is going on at the time <laughs> rather than something that's not that's it is a waste of time it's a waste of time for both of us to discuss something that's kind of irrelevant to my life so um yeah it's been a mixed bag of of doctors and and, and nurses but on the whole my experiences have been great and I have had people and especially in Scotland we have quite um wonderful dedicated IBD teams we have IBD nurses I don't know how it is elsewhere but Obviously, if we can't get a hold of a consultant and we need just some advice or we're worried about something, we can call these nurses anytime. And um, they're so knowledgeable and friendly. And more recently, especially in Scotland, there's been a lot more focus on the mental health aspects of IBDs, which is amazing for me. So 
you feel you can talk to them about absolutely anything, even if it's not, how is your stool? <laughs> whatever, whatever the usual <laughs> question is. Um, because there are, there's so much to it that's not just physical. So it's nice that that's been looked at in some other way as well. Yeah, the IBD nurses are not as common here in the right. States. Mm -hmm. I think some of the big IBD centers have them, mm -hmm. but it's definitely more common for you guys in yeah. the UK. Your healthcare professionals were bringing up your wanting to have children or thinking about having children, which... I think it can be a good thing to bring up, and I think at least here in the States, it's not brought up with with women often enough, mm -hmm. but were you asked the initial question, though, like, is this something that you want to discuss, or do they just start talking at you about it? I would say, I would say they just started talking about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I really want to try and be, be kind. Um <laughs> <laughs> I want to hashtag be kind, but um, no, I know. I mean, I think it's good. It's it's a good conversation to have. But mm -hmm. I also know people that have made up their mind that they're mm -hmm. not interested in being a parent. So yes. if if your gastro comes to you and says, "Do you want to talk about you know having kids?" Like I feel like that should be the first question. Mm -hmm. I guess is what I'm is what I'm getting at before they start telling you what you should and shouldn't do mm -hmm. with your treatment plan when this is not even something that you're considering it kind of got it's, it's kind of a joke that between my friends but it, it got to the point where I, I almost felt like she was she wanted to be a surrogate or something or she, <laughs> she was looking for me to to loan out my womb the way it was so intense of now you're you're this age and you're in a relationship so naturally you must be thinking about starting a family and I would kind of go, oh, and then I would, I would get so uncomfortable that I would eventually just go, yeah, okay. I, I mean, yeah. I think at one point I even said, well, I'll, I'll talk about it tonight, <laughs> as if I was going to go, go go home and say, my gastro told me that we should start a family, and then he'd say, yeah, and then we'd step off through a field while I was heavily pregnant. But yeah, it, it got so uncomfortable that I thought, well. Why? Why is this so so pushy? I don't know. So maybe there's something. Maybe I give off some vibe <laughs> of desperation, <laughs> withering, withering womb. But um, yeah, I, I totally agree with you, that, and that's how I feel. That it should be the question should be asked, and if the question is not responded to in a positive way, then it should be discounted and moved on. But and and I've, and I've raised the the baby question with my previous consultant because when I started using Kinemab, I had asked what are the side effects? What would happen if, a, if this and that? And he just calmly told me like he did with every other scenario, but I never raised it again. He never raised it again. So I don't know. But I think this is a really great conversation to have because I am a person as co-founder of IBD Moms who mm -hmm. is often pushing physicians to raise that question ah, right, okay. with their patients. So it's your fault. And then <laughs> it is totally my fault. <laughs> and, but to hear your side of it. Mm -hmm. And so we also need to consider that when people are not ready or have decided already that mm -hmm. they don't want to have children or it's far away yeah. or their situation is complicated, like we need to take that into account as well. I suppose I didn't think about it from, from what you said of almost as a preemptive to avoid any dangerous dangerous situations if, if right. someone fell pregnant 
while they yes. were. Yeah, so I yes. suppose I hadn't thought about that because I'm very, very sensible. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, there is absolutely another, that side of it as well. So I think for me, it just it just got to a point where it was it was almost um, it was frustrating because I thought I'm, I'm here to talk about this, and then it would put me off track because I still. Even after a long, long time, I still get quite nervous going out to speak to doctors, especially if I'm feeling particularly unwell and worried about what it might be, or I've already thought about 500 things that could go wrong. So I think to be taken off track that quickly, it all throws me every time. So, but yeah, it absolutely should be, absolutely should be spoken about. So I take it all back. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll just learn to be more patient than Kate. (laughs) No, no, no. I, I appreciate your perspective because it should be a conversation. But I think that the conversations should start with yeah. what are your plans? And then if you say, I have no plans, then it should be moving on to the next question, which is how many times do you go to the bathroom every day? Right. So, yeah. you know, that should all be. How considered. much water do you drink? No, I can see. <laughs> Oh my gosh, thank goodness I have never been asked that question because I would fail. I already fail at the first question. They ask me how many times I go to the bathroom every day and I'm like, I don't know, I don't count. And then they get mad. (laughs) Do you have any advice for people who are starting out on their writing journey or thinking about writing about their disease or about something else? I suppose not any massively practical advice about getting a book published or all of that other than there's absolutely no harm in approaching anybody and everybody because you've nothing to lose so mm-hmm. aim for the stars and, <laughs> and see what happens because um there will be somebody that's out there that, that appreciates your writing and I think just don't try and emulate anybody else or any other style of writing just write what you feel right I'm trying to round a bit around right from the heart but that's what I'm mm-hmm. basically what I basically mean because I, the type of writing I enjoy anyway is honest and open and makes you feel like you're talking to a friend or, yeah, obviously, and I use a lot of humour to do that. So it's, it's hard. These are hard topics to talk about. So if you can laugh at yourself, then it's, it makes it easier for everybody involved, I think. Although doctors absolutely hate when I try and crack jokes if I'm in there, <laughs> speaking to a doctor, or especially if I crack a pun. That's just get him off. Um so yeah, sorry, my advice would be to write honestly and as openly as, as you feel comfortable doing. And um, yeah, just just approach anybody. If you think you're writing, you want to push it further and, and write a book or uh, write in any long form format, then do it. And then, But the, unfortunately, the advice always is to write because you can say till you're blue in the face that you want to be an author or you want to write a book, or but you have to actually do it. And if you don't enjoy actually doing it, then there really is no point. So you have to do the work first and then reap the benefits later. Did you just say that you enjoy writing? What's yes. that like? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's not actually true. I mean, I do for the mo- once I get started, I do. It's very. I still find it very hard to get motivated, and and I don't write as much as I did now. But um, once I start, I really, I really enjoy it. But and sometimes I think, and I did this even when I was blogging. I would think, well. I'm never going to have another original idea <laughs> in my life. And I know every author does that or every writer does that, but I think it just takes a wee spark of inspiration and sometimes that comes for strange places. But but yeah, once I get started, I do enjoy it, but sometimes it feels like the worst thing in the world. <laughs> especially, <laughs> especially the editing part, that's horrendous. But um, but yeah, I do I do still enjoy it, which is the main thing. It's, that's the only time, that's the only thing 
that keeps me doing it is the fact that I love I love it and that it seems to help people. So I don't think I would ever stop doing it because people do seem to get something from it. So yeah, that's a nice bonus sometimes, yeah. especially when they let you know yeah. that it has touched them in some way. That's really helpful and mm-hmm. spurs me along to do more. Yeah. So. Kathleen, I've never been to your country. Okay. Um, Come on over. <laughs> it's well, it's it's on my list. Oh, good. But I want to ask you though, I've looked this question up and the answer that I found was so dumb. But <laughs> I was trying to I was trying to understand what might be the best time of year to come to Scotland. Oh, <laughs> and I know, right? You're laughing. Because when I looked this up, the answer is usually whenever. It doesn't matter. Come whenever. And I'm like, well, that's not right. Hmm. So I want to ask you, what what is a good time, first of all? And then second of all, what are the things that we should see while we're there? Because, you know, obviously only having maybe like a week or even less, mm-hmm. what would be some high points? Um, well, in terms of when to, I'm just looking at the window now and it's an absolute monsoon. So in terms <laughs> of when to come, if you're looking for good weather, there really is not, not no a good time. <laughs> um, I don't want to say summer because we don't really have a summer, but usually we get a few good days in maybe July, August time. Last year, unfortunately during the pandemic it was absolutely scorching in July time when we were all locked indoors um Mm. but yeah I suppose we would always suggest August for the festival we have a huge arts festival here everybody loves to come there we get massive tourists coming in August but if you want to see castles and all of that then you can come any time of the year I would say probably maybe September time when it's still not you're not going to get hypothermia but you'll still be able to see everything without a kind of mist around everything um mm-hmm. if you go to sky there's some beautiful castles on sky beautiful um beautiful sights to see in sky so up in the highlands is absolutely gorgeous if you want a kind of authentic experience and then you could come to edinburgh and glasgow and see what it's like to be knocked out after a pint <laughs> 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 no i'm sorry to my people um, <laughs> yeah it depends what you're looking for i suppose but um mm-hmm. yeah i would say it's good to do a bit of both if you're coming for a couple of weeks and you can come and visit me and meet my cat and drink some water with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know about that last part. That's not really selling it for me. Um, okay, I have one more thing. I have to show okay. you something. I'm trying to figure out. I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to show you because okay. I didn't plan on doing this. Ooh. Okay, this is this is going to make for good. This is this is going to make for a good podcast. You're huddling under the desk. I'm worried. I am. I'm like I'm removing clothing. That's <gasps> what I'm doing. <laughs> I didn't know that was part of the process. I know, right? I'm not shaved. <laughs> I don't know if I can do this. Okay, wait. Come on. Wait, 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 wait. wait. I'm trying to get my leg up. So, oh, wow. Oh, wow. It's a prince tattoo. I love it. Oh. Yeah. So I have a, I have the love sign yeah. on the inside of my right ankle. And wow. so I actually got it. Um, a couple of months after he passed. Oh. And so I think I knew that you were a Prince fan, but then I think mm. I forgot. <laughs> I think I talk a bit about David Bowie a bit more. I'm a huge Bowie fan, but yeah, I love Prince, Prince and Bowie. Yes, you mentioned David Bowie about 5,000 times <laughs> in your books. <So. laughs> no. 
Do you have a favorite album? Do you have a favorite song? I don't think I have a favorite album specifically. I just I, I like a lot of the earlier stuff. Um, but it depends. He's got it's like David Bowie. There's so many different eras, so yeah, you can really use your mood to decide what what era you're going to listen to. So sometimes, if I really want to dance around the flat, I'll listen to a really long-winded song where he goes on a guitar solo for about five years. Or mm-hmm. I like there's a song that's got my name in it, which I love for selfish reasons. Um, Starfish and Coffee has got my name in it, which you never get a song with my name in it unless it's a really crass Scottish song. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I don't have a favourite album, but I just love the whole back catalogue and I, I'll always love David Bowie and Prince and I'm so sad they're gone. I was genuinely took a day off when David Bowie died. I couldn't believe it. I was like a losing a limb, <laughs> which mm-hmm. I know sounds ridiculous, but if you've been a fan of someone for so long, it's it was heartbreaking. So And so unexpected as well, I think. Same with Prince. Yeah, I'm so excited to see your tattoo. I've never, I've never had the courage to get a tattoo yet, but maybe one day. I was going to get a wee boy one on my hip, but I don't know. I, don't I know. think you should do it. Yeah. I totally think you should do it. I, it's, it is bizarre to talk about because it does sound really weird to be so enamored and feel so close to someone yeah. that you've never met, that they're a celebrity mm-hmm. and whatever. <laughs> but honestly, Prince dying was. Mm-hmm just so awful mm-hmm. um and david bowie the same i had friends that were absolutely devastated mm-hmm. by his death as well and i'll and i'll tell you what else too mm-hmm. um like you were talking about getting on your hip i don't know how often you show your hip in public no. but <laughs> um not scotland <laughs> not scotland <laughs> but whenever i'm out and my tattoo is visible. Mm-hmm. Occasionally someone will see it and it'll start a conversation. Yeah. Oh, that's and mm-hmm. yeah, and it, that was, you know, never something that mm-hmm. I would have thought. <laughs> Kathleen, do you have any advice for people who were recently diagnosed with Crohn's disease? But yeah, I think for me, if I was to give anybody any advice about being diagnosed with Crohn's or any form of IBD, it's just to talk about it and talk openly and honestly with people that love you and people that don't, if you don't have anybody to hand, there's always medical professionals who'll listen and never be ashamed of your illness because shame thrives in silence. Talk about it and um, people will listen. Kathleen, thank you so much for coming on about IBD. Thank you so much for your work, for your books. I've truly enjoyed them. I feel like I know you, which is probably weird for you, but I do. So (laughs) I'm glad you think it's nice and not, you know, creepy. Um, But let's go through your social media so that everyone can follow you and watch your videos and enjoy all of your puns. Um, okay, I'm on Twitter and Instagram and it's at CathFantastic with a K, not a C for everyone who thinks my name's Catherine. <laughs> it's Kathleen. Um, I'm on Facebook at Kathleen Nichols Author, I think. And I've got a blog page on Facebook called Chronological Order. That was the name of my initial blog many years ago and I still try and keep that up. I think that's it. Yeah. I think there's a new... Oh, no, I've got a website, sorry, as well called... Um, cathfantastic.com. Thanks so much. It has been a joy to talk to you. You too. It's been so nice. So thanks for coming on my show and for all of your work. And gosh, I hope we get to do this again. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much for your podcast. It's such an amazing resource for people with IBD and I hope you keep it up for many years to come and have me back on many times. (laughs) 
Hey, super listener. Thanks to Kathleen Nichols for sharing her journey with us. You can purchase Go Your Crown Way and My Flair Lady both in print and as an ebook. You can also follow Kathleen on Instagram and Twitter as Kath Fantastic, as well as on YouTube and on her blog, kathfantastic.com. As always, I will put these links in the show notes and on my episode 98 page on aboutibd.com. You can follow me across all social media as About IBD. I'm an independent journalist, so I rely on the community to spread the word about my work. You can help by rating and reviewing About IBD in your favorite podcast app or by liking and sharing my social media posts. Thanks for listening. And remember, until next time, I want you to know more about IBD. About IBD is a production of Mal and Tal Enterprises. It is written, produced, and directed by me, Amber Tresca. Mix and sound design is by Mac Cooney. Theme music is from Cooney Studio. I'm a professional author who drinks water, for God's sake. He drinks water. I've time for it. Time for this, yeah. And can go like a whole 45 minutes without swearing. It's like, you know, you're a goddess. <laughs> <I know. laughs>